We've all been there. You get up one day and you feel like you can take on the world. You're positive, you're upbeat, and you feel the power of the Holy Spirit surging within you. And then, you encounter someone in the course of that day that completely brings you down from your mountaintop. It can be one word, one comment, one interaction, or even one question from this person that just completely ruins the rest of your day. These, my friends, are known as difficult personalities. We all have them in our circle. Some are family, some are friends, some are co-workers or acquaintances. And yes, some of them are us. Dealing with them can really take the wind out of you. Today, we'll examine who these personalities are and the best ways we can deal with them. Are you ready? Let's dig deeper. Welcome to the Thriving on Purpose podcast, hosted by certified coaches Elizabeth and Sebastian Richard. Elizabeth is a Christian life and leadership coach, branding consultant, and busy mompreneur. Sebastian is a Christian speaker, Bible teacher, author, and leadership expert. Together, they help today's committed believers to dig deeper in their knowledge and walk with God in order for them to grow and climb higher in life and leadership. If you want to dig even deeper, make sure to visit thrivingonpurpose.com for more free resources and content. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Thriving on Purpose podcast. This week's episode is called Dealing with Seven Difficult Personalities. Now you've all encountered at least one difficult personality in your life, whether it be someone you work with, someone in your family. So I know that this podcast is really, really going to help you. So the content is based on the book, Be a People Person by John C. Maxwell, Effective Leadership Through Effective Relationships. And the reason why uh, we wanted to share this with you is because he really goes in detail in the difficult personalities. And it's funny because when you're going to go, when we're going to be reading these personalities, you're going to start seeing all kinds of people in your family, people that you've worked with, and it's going to give you a better perspective of how to deal with them. Because there's going to be faces popping up as we speak. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and you also have to be humble enough. If, if you recognize yourself in one of those, say, hmm, I do tend to be like, I need to work on that. Exactly. So a great quote in the book that John Maxwell uh, wrote is this one. The effect of difficult relationships, whether they make us or break us, is determined not by the treatment we receive, but by how we respond to it. And this is an extremely insightful quote. And remember this as we go through all these eight different types. Remember this quote because it is what's going to guide you in the dealings with these people. That is such a powerful quote. And, you know, um, through the years with people that I've coached, I've talked to on a regular basis, I think people don't realize the power that they do have 
in you know how they're going to react and how they're affected by it is how they choose to be mm-hmm. affected by it too many times i've seen people give way too many too much importance to these people and uh, become doormats and let them uh, dictate their lives and uh, you know fall into a, a serious depression with some co-workers just because they're not able to understand this uh, simple concept of how they have the power to to decide how they respond to it and how they're affected by it is determined by how they think and how they feel about it. Yeah, and another way to understand this is, is a, a, I heard a, a therapist once who said, uh, the only power other people have on you is the power that you give them. And it's very and th- true. that's the way it works, right? Yeah. So we're going to talk about the first personality, which is the Sherman Tank personality. This label may bring to mind a person who runs over everything and anything that is in the way. These people have a tendency to intimidate others because of their I'm right and you're wrong attitude. They intimidate through sheer force and power. Their behavior is aggressive and even hostile. Because of the Sherman Tank's insensitivity, people tend to battle with them. It is difficult to sit down and reason or rationalize with tanks. Absolutely. Very well put. And uh, I I happen to have worked with uh, such an individual and uh, uh, she she was a woman and I worked with her for a few years. And uh, she was known, you know, where we worked as a Sherman tank. And uh, of course, she was a woman. And uh, I was joking one day with one of my coworkers who were talking about something. I said, uh, well, I'll go ask Sherman. He goes like, who's Sherman? We don't work with a Sherman. And I told him, no, that's uh, so-and-so. <laughs> and, then, and then he laughed. He said, is it because of her mustache? <laughs> and I said, no, no, no. He says, what's a, what's a Sherman tank? And as I explained to him what the Sherman tank personality was. So he says, what's that? And I explained to him the traits, the characteristics. And he says, oh, well, that really fits. <laughs> anyway, don't lose hope if you have to deal with a Sherman tank. There is a strategy for dealing with them. It's not easy, but it can really help you. So the first thing is to consider this person's influence as well as the issue at stake. How important is the point being fought over? Ask yourself that question. And how many people are being influenced by the said Sherman tank? If the issue could have a direct negative effect on others within the organization or the church, it probably will be worth fighting over. But if it is an insignificant issue or a matter of pride, it's not worth the battle. Let it go. And that is probably the best advice you'll get when it comes to Sherman tanks. They they love battles they're made for battles they're tanks and most of us aren't tanks so you're probably not equipped to go to war with such a person so if you can just let it go let it go but if you need to step up then if it's a it's a crucial issue that's the other thing that you need to consider so if you're talking about a crucial issue for the people or the organization or the church you're going to have to stand up to this very tough personality. There is no easy way around these people. Be direct because they probably don't understand tactfulness. Look at them face to face and confront the specific issue at hand. 
Unfortunately, these people cause more pain than any other of the difficult personality types we're going to be talking about today. Why? Because they happen to feel very little pain themselves. Okay, they, they have a toughened exterior uh, and, and, and my guess is because they've been hurt. Uh, as a result, they can oftentimes afford to be unreasonable, which adds to the burden of dealing with them in the first place. Okay, they have the power to intimidate and they use it often. And the another thing is they have oftentimes they have they happen to have because of sheer brute force, a lot of allies, because there's so many people who are scared of them that they're going to side with them on the side of an issue because they just don't want to be on their bad side. So keep that in mind as you uh, sometimes will need to confront them. Another thing you need to realize and understand is that hurt people hurt people. In my experience, Sherman tanks are people who have suffered great hurt in their lives. So keep this in mind when you're dealing with a Sherman tank. It might help you to be more patient with them. Okay, it might help you see them in a different light and therefore maybe demonstrate a certain, how could I put it? I'm not saying to, uh, to, uh, to be overly kind with them because that's not what I'm saying here, but it can give you that little, um, I guess that kindness that maybe would soften them up a little bit, which is rare, but it does happen. And finally, last thing to do when dealing with a Sherman tank, if it's at all possible, avoid them. I know it sounds harsh. I know it's not the quote-unquote Christian thing to do, but sometimes there are certain types of personalities that are just so hard to deal with. It's better to avoid them if it's at all possible. Remember, life chooses your acquaintances, but you choose your relationships. And I want to just add something to this, especially if you're in a leadership type position and you have one of these Sherman tanks in your organization. Um, the danger of not dealing with a person like this, and I've seen this uh, when I used to work for a government type position, we had one in our department and she was so loud and made so much noise and affected everybody around her. Mm. Um, the bosses didn't want to deal with her because she was so loud and she would, you know, make outbursts in front of everybody. So their reaction was to kind of, you know, give her what she wanted and uh, give her the position she wanted and, you know, keep her at bay, keep her on their nice side. Mm. However, what, what ended up happening is that it created a very toxic environment where, um, you know, I, I saw women and men just um, not feel comfortable in their roles and how they were uh, doing their business. And um, she just, you know, affected the, the environment so badly that, People just walked on eggshells around her and, uh, you know, there was a lot of, uh, you know, talking in her back and it was just a very negative environment that just didn't need to be that way. And she, so she bullied her way into uh, the position and affecting other people by bullying them. So basically by enabling her, they created a, just a bully in the department yeah. instead of just taking her head on, dealing with her in a closed door and mm -hmm. being direct, like John Maxwell says set, says to do, <clears throat> and basically make her earn her way up, right? And uh, take her place when she's supposed to. And by showing this um, 
you know, this authority, then people around, you know, in the department would have felt like the, the superior, the, the leadership uh, would have been stronger and that they would have been able to have more fair, um, you know, dealing in, in a more fair kind of way. So if you don't want to create a toxic environment, those kind of people just want noise. They want you know, fighting, they love that stuff, they like strife. So keeping a person like that around uh, oftentimes uh, creates negative toxicity in your uh, organization. And unfortunately, these, these people sometimes are very driven and uh, very outgoing. And that's why a lot of them get hired in the first place. So it's just a, a danger to be careful of because it will affect everybody else in your organization in a, in a negative way if you don't deal with it. Good point. So the second one is the space cadet. This is really funny. Like I, I really laughed about this one because <laughs> I do know somebody that's like this, and you probably do too. Um, <laughs> you know I do. These people live in their own worlds, walking to the beat of a different drummer, a drummer that nobody else knows. They usually do not respond to normal motivation techniques. Frustration is the overwhelming feeling I get when working with this type of person. So that's what John Maxwell says. And I agree because that's exactly how I feel. I just, I don't know how to knock some sense into them. It's really a personality that I have a hard time with. I have, so he says, I have learned that when working with or speaking to a large group of people, I should not be greatly influenced by this person's feedback. Probably the people you know who fall into this category, you have labeled weird. Exactly. <laughs> so he says, consider these guidelines when working with a space cadet. Yeah, indeed. Uh, I, I used to work with uh, someone. I was kind of lucky because I guess I, I got I got different samples of, of personalities. And you know what? It's always tricky because I, I always like to wonder what it's like to be on the other side of me. Uh, I'm someone who likes to know how I rub people. Do I rub them the wrong way? So I, I'm very introspective in that way, trying to, I don't like to step on toes. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I was, I guess, call it fortunate or, un or unfortunate enough to work with a lot of samples of these personalities. And one was a space cadet. And I uh, had such a hard time with that personality. Uh, it was so difficult for me because that particular person happened to be very smart intellectually. So I have this in common with them that, that we have the love for books and reading and we ex I love ex exchanging ideas. But the sounding board that John Maxwell uh, is gonna talks about a little later was exactly what made me go crazy because what bounced back off of that person I was always puzzled, is he being mean or is he just being weird? And I take it as that person's being mean. So I never knew if that person was just being very, very smart and being mean in a friendly manner <laughs> or, or if they were just being weird. And uh, I, so I, what I did eventually was I stopped gradually talking with them because the sounding board, everything that came back from them uh, just offended me, hurt me, made me angry. So I just had to put some distance. But consider these guidelines when working with a space cadet. So here's how you deal with the, these types of personalities. And that, those are, a lot of those are mistakes I did and I had to learn. So this is, this is really good stuff. Don't evaluate your leadership 
by the space cadets' response. In fact, don't even ask his or her opinion about something because you'll get an off-the-wall answer. Space cadets aren't good sounding boards, just as I was saying earlier. Secondly, it's not a good idea to place a space cadet in a team ministry position or leadership position, okay? When you need a group of individuals to pull together to accomplish a goal, the space cadet has a lot of difficulty pulling with other people in the same direction. And, and here's what I noticed working with one for a few years. That person didn't have any difficulty pulling. So it wasn't a case of I'm lazy and I'm not going to pull. But they pulled in an opposite direction that everybody went like, huh, what? What are they doing? Why is it going that way? While everybody was trying to pull in one direction, this particular person was, hey, this might be funny if I do it this way. And then they went the other way and everybody was like, what in the world is he doing? So that's uh, pretty much what it was like to work with a space cadet. Another thing to consider is don't place space cadets in positions of leadership because they won't be able to determine the heartbeat of others. This particular person, for some reason, was very, very uh, socially inept. They, they call them space cadets for a reason. They're spaced out. It's like they're not connected with the reality of relationships and the, the sounding board that comes off others from what they're doing. So they have a tendency to ruffle feathers, to offend, and and they're not, usually, they're not doing it in a mean way. They're just doing it in a weird, completely off-the-cuff, weird, strange way. And it just doesn't work well with other people. So they cannot, from my experience, be placed in a position of leadership. First of all, other people don't buy into them. You, I mean, very few people buy into weird. I mean, and, and I know we're all the weird of someone else. I mean, I know I'm the weird of somebody else. I've, I've, I've seen that in the faces of other people sometimes as I was talking. I was like, oh, yeah, th this person's really thinking I'm from another planet right now. But I could identify it, and I knew why they thought that, okay? When you're in personal growth, sometimes you're on a certain level. So uh, like John Maxwell says, he says, if you're, a, if you're, a, don't have a number eight on 10 conversation with someone who only wants to have two on 10 conversations, okay? So don't make that mistake. Anyway, uh, I'll keep going with the space cadet. I don't want to get off track here. Lastly, don't write your space cadet friend or coworker or church member as a lost cause, okay? Search for the key to his or her uniqueness and seek to develop it. Many space cadets are extremely brilliant and creative. And that's what I found out with that particular person. Very brilliant, like super intelligent in some uh, spheres, in, in some um, endeavors. Very smart. They have much to offer if you are able to put them in the right spot or assign them the right task. They work best when they work alone. So find an area in which they're interested and give them space to dream and to create. And they're oftentimes going to surprise you. But that's something that's not always easy to do. Exactly. Probably better a personality to be more of an artistic entrepreneur, to do, you know, build their own thing. And um, I'm thinking like, you know, have their own Etsy shop or something and, and create whatever it is that they're, they're into. So that brings us to number th the third personality, which is the volcano. 
So we know a lot of volcanoes. Uh, it's an explosive personality, unpredictable type of person who tends to be unapproachable. How do we treat them? Should we walk around them softly or test the waters to see what kind of day they're having? It's difficult to relax around them because we don't know when the heat is about to arise. Just as a space cadet causes frustration, the volcano causes tension. Those who have the those who have to work with this person can never relax. They never know what might set them uh, what might set them off. So um, I used to call this personality a ticket uh, ticking a, time bomb. A ticking time bomb because <laughs> similar. You know, you kind of never know if you're gonna say the wrong thing to make them. Uh, explode because these personalities oftentimes are holding a lot of resentment and a lot of garbage and because of that uh, they tend to want to explode at the right moment that they feel that you said the wrong thing or did the wrong thing yeah and and here's the thing about volcanoes it's surprising i i used to work we actually me and liz both we used to work in, in uh, years ago maybe 10 years ago in that government position we were working with a uh, a short man who we nicknamed Angry Man. <laughs> but he was a volcano. He was exactly the type of person you never knew if what you were going to say would set them off. He always had an angry face. Yeah, and he, and he was constantly angry and boiling like a volcano. And, and sometimes he would set off on, on things that, that you'd like be like, huh, what? What I, what I say? Uh, but the thing we, we didn't know is how that anger ultimately got the best of him and it was so sad when years later we learned that that this person had committed suicide and you never know the people you're working with what they're dealing with and uh, sometimes we 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 you know this is funny we're going through these types of personalities but uh, it's always a good reminder to try to love the people nonetheless and even those very difficult personalities we're talking to um, there might be a reason. There probably is a reason why they're the way they are. And uh, sometimes just trying to be kind no matter what can actually help them. Um, so keep that in mind as we go through these difficult personalities. So that's something that uh, I want you guys to remember. You know, in all of these personalities, you know, God shows us to, it teaches us to show love. Um, but you know, you have to be careful because some of these personalities can... Um, Eat you up. <laughs> yeah, the, you know, like, for example, this angry man, I had a conversation with him after my daughter had passed away. And we were talking about death because his mom died and my mom died as well. So we both lost our, our moms to cancer. And I had just uh, experienced the loss of my, my baby girl. And I had... It had been like maybe three months that I think I, I came back like it was like six months later or something like that. And um, and we we're talking about death and stuff. And he was so uh, angry and, you know, like we talked about God and stuff and he was just angry at God. And it was just so toxic of a conversation yeah. that no matter how I tried to show him God's love, it just wasn't uh, he just didn't want anything to do with that. You know, so you can try. I'm not saying you shouldn't try, but you but, shouldn't make it your life's mission yeah, either exactly. because some of these people choose to stay in that negative mindset and choose to see the, the, 
the glass half empty and it's just their way of seeing life and they don't want to move from that they yeah. just want to see it black yeah and as a rule of thumb i think it's it's just saying like don't be kind but don't overly invest yourself in these people you know um be kind because everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle that's a good rule of thumb to, yeah, to have and, with these difficult persons. And see this, exactly. And this kind of person probably needed counseling. Oh, yeah. And, you know, to, to be guided in that direction because unfortunately, you know, he obviously didn't find hope. And, uh, you know, Sebastian and I did try to talk to him about God, both of us, uh, repeatedly uh, during the time that we did work with him. And it's sad because he embraced Buddhism. And next thing you know, he uh, committed suicide. And he had been burned by, by religion a lot, by mm -hmm. the Christian religion. He was very angry with God, very angry with with people in religion and all that. So uh, there was there was a lot going on in there. And of course, a lot we didn't know as co-workers, you know, don't go into deepest relationships. And uh, that that shocked everyone when we, we learned what had happened. It was it was very tough. So how should we handle volcanoes when they blow up? The key is to remain calm. Remove the volcanoes from the crowd and remain calm yourself. They don't need an audience and you'll be better off to keep your blood pressure down. <laughs> and then once you're alone with them, let them steam, let them vent. Allow them to blow as hard and as long as necessary. Let them get it all out. Don't try to interrupt because they won't be hearing you. Okay, that's another thing you need to, to do. And in the attempt to get the story straight, Okay, whatever happened or whatever made them blow up. You may need to go back and ask them to repeat some details. As they do, minimize any exaggeration and remove any hearsay that has mingled in so that you can deal only with the facts and not with the emotion. And that might be hard as they're venting off and being in anger mode. It, it, it's, you need, that's why calmness is the key because that calmness will enable you to deal with facts only. Okay, and always provide a soft, clear answer concerning the situation. And finally, hold these people accountable for the things they say and the people they harm. Always remind them, do you realize that when you blew up, uh, you, you said things that hurt so-and-so who just, for example, just lost her mom or just... Because sometimes they're going to say things just off the cuff, fast, hard, violently, in anger that could really harm the team morale. So, so it's, it, and, and they're, when they're reminded of that, they go like, oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, yeah, you're right. And sometimes you might even get the surprise. You might even hear them say, you know what, I, I didn't realize that. I'm gonna go apologize to her later or him later about that. They tend, yeah, they tend they, to they feel they blow bad. off first and they ask questions later. Yeah, they tend to feel bad when the damage is done. So yeah. that's another thing to, to think about, you know, um, especially if you're, <laughs> I know a lot of women that have married types like this or have considered marrying a type like that because they're very good smooth talkers and, you know, getting themselves forgiven afterwards. But um, not exactly the best type of personality to get yourself involved with in a marriage because it's very, very difficult to to deal with. And oftentimes these types are very difficult to change and don't change, unfortunately. Hmm. So number four, Liz, which is the number four personality? The thumbs sucker. So the thumb sucker tends to pout. Uh, they're full of self-pity and try to get people to cater to their own desires. 
This pouting is used as a leverage to manipulate others. If things are not going their way, they can create a heavy atmosphere that is oppressive as a rainy cloud. So they can do this very cleverly. Often they employ the silent treatment to get what they want. And I will say, I know a lot of women that fall in this category. (laughs) A lot of women. Uh, Yeah, I I suppose it's more of a passive-aggressive types um yeah and their husbands don't know what to do with them they're walking on eggshells they don't know how to get through to them because oftentimes these women either will manipulate with the silent treatment to get what they want or they will just close in not share their feelings and just you know kind of pretend everything's fine afterwards but it isn't and they're building resentment and that ends up exploding a marriage down the road Mm. Good point. And, and 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 by the way, this is not a sexist thing. I mean, I've I've met guys who are like that too. So, <laughs> but here's generally speaking, yeah. yeah but but yeah, I know what you're saying. So here's a strategy in dealing with this type of individual. Okay, first, make the thumb sucker aware of the fact that moodiness is a choice. Now that's essential. People become moody to, to manipulate people and gain control. They're very seldom moody by themselves, right? That, that makes sense, right? So teach them that they are responsible for the atmosphere they create, especially if they're in a position of leadership. Everybody in the world has problems. The thumbsucker has no right to add his or her personal petty grievances to the load. Secondly, remind them that if they choose to lead or to be team players, they need to choose to be even-tempered. Okay, so if they, in other words, look, if you're going to be doing something that's uh, of significance or in a leadership role or, or where you have responsibilities over others, you're going to have to be even tempered. You can't just pout or, or, yeah. or, you know, my way or the highway, this kind of attitude. Because it's just going to be detrimental to everybody around you and you just won't be effective at all. Exactly. And people in your organization won't know how to deal with you. They won't know. Uh, you know, it's really important for you to, for them to understand your gauges, but this is the kind of gauge that they just won't know how to make things better and it's not going to benefit anybody down the road. Uh, sometimes it's also helpful to expose the thumbsuckers to people who have real problems. Perhaps it'll cause them to see themselves in a different light and to have a more grateful heart and positive attitude. You know, sometimes a different perspective will will shift their attitude. It is important never to reward or give attention to thumbsuckers, to moody people. Giving them an opportunity to publicly exhibit their negative attitudes gives them a sense of recognition. The best method of attack is to praise this person's positive ideas and actions and ignore him when he's sucking his thumb. So in other words, praise the good stuff and completely ignore when they're acting out, okay? Thumbsuckers are subject to mood swings. They're negative only part of the time. So praise God for that. <laughs> yeah, so it's a bit like we say, you know, when our kids have a tantrum, they tend to do that, right? They tend to close on and, and give you this, you know, moody face and then don't want to talk to you. Well, I've seen adults do the exact same thing. And they sort of didn't grow out of the 
tantrum phase of their life. And so they do this for attention because then what happens is a lot of people will say, well, what's wrong? Especially if you're married to this type of person, um, what's wrong? What can I do to make things better? And then the person is, you know, clearly manipulating you and has the control. And that's why whether you're it, this person you're working with or you're married to this person, this is why John Maxwell says to ignore this kind of behavior because that's what they're looking for. The they reward, want... the payoff for them is the attention they get out of it. Exactly. Yeah. And there's no reasoning with that because then the leverage is on their side and then exactly. they're just going to tell you what they want. And, you know, we're not going to create a good marriage this way. So it's really, you know, explaining to them that, this doesn't solve anything and that you know expressing how they feel is a better way to deal with the situation uh, and to find a, a way to compromise together and to get each other's feelings out in the open and, and find a solution is a better way obviously than wasting time you know uh, pouting in your corner for days and weeks and you know, then building bitterness and then not liking how the other person's yeah. reaction, re, you know, reacting and feeling ignored and blah, blah, blah. And it never ends. And when you praise them on their positive actions, positive uh, behaviors, that gives them the attention that they crave in the first place. So it can really shift them into the right direction and saying, oh, you know what? I get just as much or more payoff from the positive than from the negative. So instinctively they're going to slowly start shifting into the positive yeah or if they're in the crisis mode at that moment you can say you know i really love it when you bring this to the group or you bring this to the team or or if you're married to that person i really like when you're you know when you bring this out in our relationship and you know mentioning their positive qualities then but you know when you shut down like this, I can't help you and I can't deal with this situation. So I'll be in my office when you're ready to talk. Exactly. Well, yeah. You know, that's yeah. the best way, whether you're married or not, to, to kind of say that. You know, when yeah. you're ready to deal with this situation, let's discuss. That brings us to number five. The wet blanket personality is constantly down and negative. He is a classic impossibility thinker who sees a problem in every solution. He is afflicted with the dreaded disease of excusitis, finding the problems and making excuses. Yeah, the wet blanket. The most difficult thing about working with a person like this is that he or she usually takes no responsibility for his or her negative attitude and behavior. It's either the other guy's fault or it's just the way I am or they use it as a way of blaming God altogether. So here's how you deal with this. Don't reinforce the wet blankets' behavior by providing a platform from which to make excuses. Kindly but firmly point out that you have confidence in this person, but that his present attitude is hindering progress. He needs to choose whether or not he's going to risk being positive and responsible. If he chooses to change his behavior, he'll have a cheering section. If he chooses not to change, though, your best move will be away from him. So, sadly, uh, again, if that person won't change, avoidance is probably the best prescribed medication in this case. But if they're open to change, if they're semi-open to receiving that, that feedback and they, they, they see the value in it and they start making efforts, then you encourage them in keeping that up. 
And you know, some people have tendencies to be like this. Um, if things didn't go well in their life, they tend to make a lot of excuses. And so it's your job as a in a leadership type position to call them out on their excuses. Um, you know, it's really important for them to see them. And sometimes they're in this pattern of doing this as a way of life, making excuses for everything. And then they complain that they're not where they're supposed to be. So it's your job as a leader to kind of point them out nicely, obviously, but to, to make them see, you know, the reason why you're not seeing the changes that you want to see and you're not seeing life the way it's supposed to be seen is because you make a lot of excuses and that's why you're not getting the results that you want out of life. Number six, Liz. And that brings us to the garbage collector personality, which is so much worse than the thumb sucker and the wet blanket. Garbage collectors have surrendered the leadership of their lives to negative emotions. Oh, how they love to rehearse and replay the injuries they have suffered at the hands of other people. They nurse their wounds and hold on to their wounded ill spirits. Briefly and concisely, they stink. <laughs> they stink. <laughs> the fact that there is garbage in life is depressing enough. But to collect it and haul it around town in a dump truck for public viewing is downright sick. Sick indeed. How do you deal with these people? How do you? This is a really, really difficult personality. I think it's a. I think uh, of all the the personalities we're looking at, it's uh, with the Sherman tank. It's probably the toughest, and the volcano is pretty tough too. But yeah, because yeah. these people tend to live in the past, and so when you're trying to make them move forward to something more positive, always you know bringing the positive in the situation because obviously you know nobody wants to stay stuck in negative. They just keep on rehashing the past and rehashing the past and mm. if you've gone to lunch with those those kind of people you're going to hear about their past over and over mm -hmm. again like and guess record. what the yeah. next time you're going to have lunch with them you're going to hear it again and hear it again that's and hear, hear it again because that's all that goes on in their minds and that's all they ever talk about yeah so how do you deal with that well first you confront them about the way they try to represent other people because they have a very biased view of, of what people did to them. It's completely amplified, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, then, because when you rehash and rehash and rehash, guess what? You're so focused on it, and then you amplify, amplify, amplify. And next thing you know, a situation that was not that bad five years ago is sounding like horrible, like to monumental proportions mm -hmm. five years later because that's all they ever focus on. Yeah. So so in a, in a teamwork or, or church environment, uh, never allow this person to tell you, there are many others who feel this way also. Don't hear them out unless they give you names. And that single requirement takes a lot of the stink out of their garbage because it usually boils down to just one or two individuals who, guess what? have an affinity for garbage just like them. And secondly, challenge their statements by pinning them down when they make generalizations and exaggerations. If they have created a serious enough situation, it may become necessary to destroy their credibility by exposing them to a decision-making group. So what am I talking about, decision-making group? Well, the board of, of your company or pastoral staff, if it's a church, uh, and, and discipline needs to be implemented in such cases. Yeah, and if you're dealing with a, a personality like this in your family, 
Uh, we all know people like that. Um, it's, you know, unfortunately, it's the kind of person that, you know, you can try all you want to try to get them to focus on the future. I have tried. You know, I have tried by, you know, trying to get the positive qualities in them, finding strengths and helping them to uh, see, you know, the potential and doing something with that. But unfortunately, most of the time, these people haven't even developed their strengths because they're so focused Mm -hmm. on living the past that they haven't grown up, basically. So, you know, it, it usually starts from adolescence and young adulthood and just stays there and so these people never mature to do anything with their lives and that's why it's very difficult even to find strengths but if you can try to find qualities and strengths and try to help them to focus on doing something positive with their life then obviously they'll stop focusing on the past but it's very very hard uh it's very very hard to do and i would say if they're in your friends and family zone Probably they won't want to hear what you have to say. No, it would you're be, too close to them. You're right? too close. And yeah, you might have to try to convince them to go see a counselor so that the counselor can be yeah. tough enough to tell them, okay, you know, this has happened in the past. Now what are you going to do about your future? Because if you go and tell them that, they probably will just not, you know, shut you out and not want to hear you. And now we're getting to number seven, Liz. This brings us to the user. So the user is the person who manipulates others for his or her own personal gain. Users avoid responsibility for themselves while demanding time and energy from others to benefit their own situations. We all know people like that. Mm -hmm. They often use guilt to get what they want. They put on a weak front in order to get people to feel sorry for them and help them out. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I happen to know some people like that. So how do you work with users? They're very difficult to work with. First, set predetermined limits on how far you will go to help them. Otherwise, they will push your guilt button and you will weaken. Remember that these people will not only take you the second and third mile, they'll take you to the cleaners if you allow them. Okay, so it's the the proverbial, uh, you give an inch, they take a mile, uh, people. Okay, so always keep that in mind. And they're very lazy. So they want, they they use that manipulation to get what they want so that they can get out of doing things for themselves and get other people to do it for them. Absolutely. Uh, And so another thing you need to do when dealing with the user is require responsibility from them. Even if you feel disposed to help that person, make sure he is responsible for some part of the job. Otherwise, you will wind up carrying the load while he goes on his merry way, more than likely looking for another gullible soul. And I can assure you when you do that, they will run. Because most (laughs) of the time, they don't want to do the work. So it's a great way to get rid of them without saying, I want to get rid of you in my organization. So if you bluntly honestly if you just you know call them like he says make them responsible for certain things yeah. and take some of the load of the team of whatever it is that their yeah, job usually requires they don't like that they just usually walk. they just run and you'll never hear of them again they walk or run whatever but they, <laughs> they, they just move away from you and lastly don't feel obligated to users and don't feel guilty for not feeling obligated most of the time a simple firm no is the best medicine to deal with these types uh, of people. And that you can spot them easily. I mean, after, you know, they basically don't add any value. 
they suck value. They're, they're value suckers. They're not value adders. So it's very easy to, easy to spot. Yeah, and I've seen that many, many times in teams as well. Some people are like that. They're very good recruiters. They're good at getting people into the team, uh, but not very good at adding value to the people once they're in the team. And so they tend to use other people to do the part that they don't want to do, which is, you know, uh, building up leaders and, you know, the other um workload they tend to work things to their advantage and use people's qualities and strengths for them and never really add value to their team in the end they just are all about the end goal and that could be very frustrating if especially if that person is your upline or the person you're working uh, for because then you just feel used for the qualities you have yeah. and you never get anything uh you know, anything from that. So if you're working for a user, I recommend you run, <laughs> you get out of the situation if you can, go get yourself another job uh, or another team to work with because um, oftentimes this kind of personality will just uh, never add value to you and uh, you have to make that decision if you're ready to accept that because it probably won't change so either you'll have to move on to a different organization or if you're in the type of organization where you know you can move up in the company and it doesn't really matter um, you, you can just you know try to avoid uh, working with that person and just like John Maxwell says say no that you don't want to participate in whatever it is they're asking you exactly and now we reach the conclusion of this podcast and and, and as a conclusion what I'm going to give is advice as a believer on how to deal generally with these people. So maybe as we went through that list, you've recognized someone you know in each of these caricatures, or maybe you're dealing with a difficult person right now who might be in a category all by himself. Take heart. There are certain general rules okay, that I'm going to put forth here for you guys to, uh, to look at and that can help you with any difficult personality. Okay. Number one, try to love them unconditionally by reminding yourself that they too are made in God's image. And that's tough. That's the toughest part. If you can master this, you'll be able to master any difficult personality. Yeah, it'll help you find the love that you need to find sometimes for these you know, people. <laughs> you know, there's, there's some people that, that, that we can't say we love them. So we just say, I love you with the love of the Lord. <laughs> but we don't really love them with our own love, right? Okay, so that's one, number one. Number two, ask God for wisdom when, when you have to deal with them or work with them. Number three, stay emotionally healthy yourself because guess what? When you're dealing with people like that, you can get a whole new level of crazy that you never knew you could reach, okay? Because they're going to press your buttons. And sometimes I, I, sometimes I remember I came back from work dealing with Sherman Tank or the Space Cadet, and I was going out of my mind. And Liz literally had to calm me down and bring me back on a level of sanity. It was that bad. I, I, just, I just lose it. I wouldn't lose it in front of them. But it got to me so bad that she had to temper me down and say, do you realize that you're actually losing your mind over this person? And then I had to make a check and check myself, go like, she's right. I have to, I have to stop this. I have to find a way to deal with this. Yeah, okay? and oftentimes it was, you know, the best solution was kind of being indifferent and, and just not letting it affect you. And 
keeping a healthy distance was was a solution in these cases. So now it brings us to number four. Very important, if they're on your team, in your organization, in, in your uh, church, on your board, whatever, do, do not make the mistake of elevating these people to positions of leadership thinking that if they have more responsibility, it's going to rescue them. It's going to help them. Oh, he just needs more. He no. just needs more, a better position or more responsibility. Uh, having people under him will help him to step up. No, some people don't step up. Some people step on. And, and most of these people step on. Okay, they don't step up. So don't make that mistake. Number five, be honest with God, with yourself and them. Honesty is the best policy okay so when you deal with them you have to be direct address the issue at hand be honest say here's what's not working right now and and deal with the issue at hand don't don't sugarcoat it don't uh, try to embellish the situation just address the thing the way it is and number six this is very important because this is a christian podcast right and we're taught in the bible to love our enemies right and it's not always easy and here's the thing if you feel it is too much for you and it is possible in any way for you to avoid these people. Here's what I recommend. Keep a healthy distance. If you can avoid these people, if you don't have to deal with them, if you can fire them, I know it sounds harsh, but if you can fire them and tell them why you're firing them so they don't bring that baggage to the next, co next company or next organization, do it. I know it sounds harsh, but that's, I mean, at some point you have to draw a line, okay? Um, so as believers, we're called to love, like I said, to love our enemies. But sometimes the easiest way to love people is from a safe distance. Always keep that in mind, okay? We're, we're not, uh, in French, there's an expression I use oftentimes, nous sommes des chrétiens, pas des crétins. In other words, a way to put this is uh, we're, we're called to be Christians and loving, but we're not called to be darn fools, okay? So don't, don't become a fool in the process of loving people, honoring them, seeing them as uh, created in God's image. You don't want to become that, that fool that is uh, so kind that you're hurting yourself, other people working with you, or your organization just, just because you're trying to accommodate one of, the, one of the difficult personalities on your team. Yeah, and you know, especially if you're working with Christians, with believers in your team or in your church or, or you know, in your family, you know, when we talk about God's kingdom and uh, kingdom expansion and how the kingdom works, it's very positive. God works, you know, with positive. Um, he works with abundance. He works with full. He doesn't work with you know, the more you study these things, the more you realize that he he cannot simply work with negative, with people lacking faith, no. with people seeing the, the, the black side of things all the time. It just, the Holy Spirit does not move in those areas. It's so, incompatible with kingdom. Exactly. It just is. So you have to take that in consideration. If you're growing your organization and it's a Christian organization, a Christian team, um, you have to keep it you know, clean and full of abundance and positive. And that has to be the, the energy source for things to thrive and to expand. So you have to add a lot of that 
in your organization and always remind them of that and basically you know get get rid of whatever is negative by doing that and so if you have to deal with the situation with that type of person then you deal with it um, always in in a direct but loving kind of way and uh, and go from there so just keep that in mind because sometimes we tend to think that God is going to bless and he's going to expand but if there's too much negativity there there's too much weighing it down it's hard for the Holy Spirit to move in that kind of a situation and and give you growth and abundance yeah that's true negativity weighs down and, and quenches the Holy Spirit and faith and faith absolutely we hope you enjoyed this podcast, that it blessed you. Please share it with others. We know that it can help a lot of people because a lot of people are dealing with difficult personalities and don't know how to deal with them. So I hope that this gave you clarity. Um, you can go and check thrivingonpurpose.com. Go click on the show notes. We'll leave you uh, two resources that we recommend. So obviously the book, uh, Be a People Person by John C. Maxwell. And another really, really good book is the book by Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's a classic, right? It's a classic, and it's a must, must, must if you're in business, if you're growing, growing your own organization or church. I recommend this one as well. So be blessed and thrive on. For more free resources and content, make sure to visit thrivingonpurpose.com 